Arzy, I'm a little upset at myself. Welcome to the club. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, not at myself. I'm always upset oh, with you. That's yeah. fair. Um, I recently bought a home, as we talked about, and uh, went to cut my grass yesterday, built my lawnmower that was a housewarming gift because I didn't have a lawn before, and uh, realized I'd have gas, just no oil. And it was past <laughs> the time when the hardware stores were closed, so I couldn't get any oil. So I thought, well, I'm going to get up first thing Saturday morning, and I'm going to mow my lawn now it's raining and I can't mow my lawn and now I'm upset at myself. So I'm officially, I think like at the dad level, I might go buy a pair of white new balance shoes. I cannot tell you how happy it makes me to hear you talk like this because speaking as a homeowner who has the the good fortune of having a rather lush lawn, particularly Mm -hmm. the back lawn, it's a pretty deep lot. It's, it's a good solid hours work to do front back clean it up properly and and i do get a little particular about it to the point that it is the bane of my beloved's existence when i try to as i call it squeeze in a quick cut Mm -hmm. in between rain showers which has pretty much been this entire summer i'm still cutting twice a week and it drives her mad you you cut your lawn twice a week Popper, if I don't cut it twice a week, I'll be out there up to my knees in grass. I know I'm not a tall guy, but I'm wow. telling you, this sucker just doesn't stop growing. And I, I don't like to have to fight through it when I'm pushing the lawnmower around. I want to take a little off the top, clean it up and get on with my life. But I'm still at a point mid-July cutting twice a week. See, I hope I don't have to cut that often. I The reason I lived in a townhouse and a condo previously it's because I don't like all the extra work. And now here I am. I have a front. Like, I was doing plant plants in my front lawn the other day and I or front yard. And I looked at my dad who was over and I said, I got to cut the front lawn too. Like well, who signs up for this? So I'm at the other end of the spectrum. Now I'm starting to look to where you just came from because I don't need this aggravation in my life mm. anymore. My beloved doesn't need this aggravation that I caused her in this life anymore. Get me away from the mowing of the lawn, the shoveling of the snow, and the patching of the roof, please and thank you. Yeah, don't even get me started on the snow aspect. I'm not looking forward to that. I'm just, you know what, I'm going to go back. I apologize. I'm going to renege on my statement. I am okay with cutting the lawn. I'll cut the lawn eight times a week if it means no snow. But we're inching closer to that snow, aren't we? I don't even As we inch closer to an OHL season. I do want to talk about that. Yeah. As soon as the schedule came out it gave me this sense of optimism that i really can't shake like i am pumped despite the western conference heavy schedule of course we won't get to see the east we won't get to see some of our favorite rinks we won't get to do the eastern swing which we've always enjoyed through kingston and ottawa but the fact that there's a schedule there's a start date vaccinations in ontario are among the best in the world right now i am pretty pumped and optimistic that we're not only going to have a season that goes the entire 68 games, but fans in stands around this league when we start things up in the fall. And the Jays are coming home. So that means things are opening up a little quicker than I might've thought. I'll say that that's for sure. Um, And, you know, we we go back a couple podcasts as we make our alphabetical trip across the OHL here, man, if Reed Duffy didn't get you jacked up for OHL hockey, I don't know who can, we might as well just shut it down because he had me fired up. Absolutely. Like, I wanted to go to a Bulldogs game. 
And I think a lot of people in Hamilton are going to enjoy that team as Reed described it. And as we mentioned, when we shared that podcast on social media, it's probably required listening for Bulldogs fans because we were able to uh, play a throwback interview that you and I did with former Kitchener Rangers head coach Jay McKee when we were on a road trip in Erie. And I remember we had asked him leading into that trip because we knew we'd have some time in a hotel. Can we get you for 20 minutes and, you know, have a chat for our podcast? He said, sure, no problem. We sat down in the hotel lobby with a beer and we chatted for about 40 minutes. And so many great stories came out of that. So any Bulldogs fan that wants to get to know the new man behind the bench in Hamilton, uh, check out that podcast from Hamilton. Sorry, I just have to correct you really quick, Mike, and I don't like to do this, but I think we chatted for about an hour and 20 minutes. The recording stopped at 40 minutes. <laughs> okay. That's not unfair. You're probably right about we, that. We got a couple doozies <laughs> that weren't for air and they were awesome. <laughs> Yes, I recall one specifically that I'll just leave where it was in the lobby of the hotel. Yeah, all three uh, of us, if Jay's listening, all three of us know the story we're talking about. And it was outstanding. Anyway, that was a good day. That was a good day. I'm going to miss Cheese, but I'm glad that he's back in this league. Yeah, I think uh, the league is better for his presence. I think it's going to be really interesting to watch him and Andreas Carlson as a duo behind the bench now. Uh, coaching another team. And and as we heard from Reed Duffy, a, an up and coming team. So they're going to, they should be making some noise in the next couple of years. And they have former Toronto Marlies uh, captain, Andrew Campbell, Soupy, uh, Caledonia native with them over there. So good hockey mind. He's, he was one of the most well-liked AH. Like he, he was mostly an AHL player, but he was so well-liked by his team. Um, I know a few people that played with Soupy. I know a few people that know him uh, from Caledonia and nothing but positive things to say about him. So Hamilton's got a really good coaching staff behind that bench, a couple of really good guys. But I also just got to say, you know, when it comes to like, (laughs) I feel like we're, um, what's her name? I can't remember now. Jeannie um, fashion television. Anyway, we always talk. Thank you. Jeannie Becker. Yes. We always talk about uh, uniforms and stuff. And I think the Rangers, Pete's and generals really, those are the ones that have stood the test of time for me, the legendary ones, but man, do I love everything that they got going on with the Hamilton Bulldogs logo and the shield and the color. I just love it. It's one of my favorites. It's probably right up there now with those three. Speaking of uh, logos, uniforms, et cetera, not in the OHL, but in the CHL Portland Winterhawks changing their logo, getting away from the Chicago Blackhawks themed uh, style Indian head to uh, an actual winter Hawk now and uh, they've just changed that, that in portland yeah and they even they even sent the courtesy heads up to hey chicago blackhawks you, you know we know we've been linked sort of historically with the the same or very similar uh logo but we're going in a different direction and they said oh, just a little bit of time for a refresh and you know maybe distance the portland team not that they want to be distanced from chicago but you know they are their own entity in portland <laughs> not much to do with really the chicago blackhawks so they've uh, they've changed up the logo looks pretty sharp Listen, I think everybody wants to be distanced from the Chicago Blackhawks well, right now. Everything that, they're going they made a point. <laughs> they made a point of saying that when they I did the it. logo change. But I, I hear where you're coming from. And and real quick, this podcast is, of course, about uh, the Kitchener Rangers as we're on this alphabet tour. And we decided we don't need a guest because I think we, we covered the team pretty closely. So we'll just talk to the upcoming Rangers season. But uh, real quick, because we we're talking about coaching, Luca Caputi, a guy that, that we both know well from our earlier days covering this league, potted 51 with the 07-08 Niagara Ice Dogs. Uh, now the 
head coach in Kingston, where he had been an associate, of course, a previous associate and assistant in Guelph. And now he gets the chance to uh, to lead a bench in the Ontario Hockey League. And I think this was just really a matter of time for Luca Caputi. Yeah, I think he's got some um, a lot of a lot of people's respect around the league for a young hockey mind and up and coming hockey mind in the OHL. Um, I covered him in Niagara, as you mentioned, when I was first working for the Brock Press newspaper. Um, him, Stefan Legion, uh, Mike Swift, and a guy who uh, was a young defenseman at the time, smooth skating defenseman, uh, Alex Petrangelo. Oh, was he was, he, was yes. he was okay, I think. Yeah, he was decent then. I remember it was, that was his rookie season, I think. We had him in the Brock Press newspaper office, just lean, laying on this couch doing an interview with him. And I remember thinking, this guy's like he's going to be an NHLer for sure. And lo and behold, yes, he is. In fact, he won a Stanley cup with the St. Louis blues. So too did our guest this week, but that's a little teaser. Um, so are you ready to pull out your studying book for the Rangers roster this year? It is going to be like a brand new team. It looks like. Yeah. I have to admit with the length of this layoff and you know, the, the absence of an entire season, I got kind of, lazy, if you will, in even really keeping up with things like, yeah, the draft comes along and you pay attention to that and whatnot. But uh, I'm going to have a hard enough time just reacquainting myself with, you know, the guys who were rookies on the Kitchener Rangers when we last played. And so when I think about it, it's, it, yeah, it's going to be a, a learning curve again. Training camp is going to be as important for me, I think, as it is for the players when it rolls around in September so we can uh, get used to these faces returning. And of course, there's going to be so many brand new faces. But when I when I look at this Rangers team, uh, yes, like so many teams, there will be so many new faces in there. But but I kind of look at it in a, in a high level way as uh, the, the wild card situation. I, I think there are uh, three really big wild cards for the Kitchener Rangers coming into this season. Uh, Donovan Sobrango, Declan McDonald, both wild cards because will they be after having played in the AHL back in the Ontario Hockey League? And then Carson Rakoff, who of course is the, the Rangers first round pick from this year. And will he be reporting to Kitchener or will he be going the United States route, which has been, which, which he has talked about doing. So the, the latter I'm less sure about the first two Sobrango and, and McDonald, I think will be back in the Ontario hockey league, but it does remain a bit of a wild card. And as those wild cards go, so too will the fortunes of the kitchen Rangers. I think I'll stick with your wild card uh, ways of thinking here, but I'm going to tell you right now, not none of those names you mentioned are on the Rangers roster this year. Really? You're convinced of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think Rakoff goes to the USHL for one year and then reports to the odd next year. Um, much, uh, like the defenseman that they just signed, uh, Roman Schmidt. Schmidt, Um, and I don't think McDonald or Sabrango are in the OHL next year. They, they played 20 to 30 games over. I think Sabrango was over 30 with Grand Rapids, uh, this year in the American hockey league. And if they were good enough to play there last year during a COVID season, why, why send them back to the OHL now? Like I, I get it that maybe you just wanted them to skate and get, you know, some ice time in the American league. So they weren't just sitting at home. But I think they both showed that they can cut it in that league. So why not, you know, uh, continue to progress their their play and their their track to the NHL in the American League than send them back to the OHL? I, I don't know. I just think that if you, if you can play in the American League, why send them back? I could be completely wrong. And I'm sure Mike McKenzie hopes I am. Because um, <laughs> those two would be, you know, a happy addition to this lineup that's returning, I think, eight forwards and three defensemen. Maybe Sabrango would make it... F- 
or Sabrango would make it three. Um, I, I think the wild card though is in goal. I think um, if you, if sorry, Mike, you, you corrected me when we did this before Pavel K it's not Cajun. It's spelt Cajun. Yeah. I believe it's, it, I believe it's Chan. And I, I take Chan, that okay, from perfect, having watched you. a, a Raddick facts interview with them right. using even Raddick's uh, uh, accent. It sounds to me like Chan. We'll go with Chan yeah. for now. Pavel. Perfect. Chan. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, that's, that's the wild card. It, and it, it is every year and it's kind of cliche to say, but we all know in this Ontario hockey league, you go as far as the goaltender will take you. If you ha- don't have a goaltender, there's no point of going for it. If you have a goaltender, you almost have to go for it because goaltending is a position that maybe isn't as strong across the OHL as it has been in recent years, especially now with a lot of unproven talent and youth coming into the league. I think that is the biggest wild card, Pavel Chan. You know, on that note, that's one of the other things that I see as really intriguing with the Kitchener Rangers heading into this season. When we look back at the lost season, uh, Michael Vakoyevich, who of course won't be back with the Rangers this year, would have likely been uh, a really important trade piece for Mike McKenzie and the Kitchener Rangers to reacquire the assets that were spent during the Rangers run, which was cut short by COVID in, in the spring of 2020. Uh, and so Vakoyevich would have been one of those pieces. And, and I, circled as we were looking ahead to this particular podcast, uh, Jacob Ingham's name as well, because both Riley Damiani and Jacob Ingham could have been back with the Kitchener Rangers during what was the lost season. Less likely Damiani, but I, I think truly there, there was an off chance just be, because of how goalies develop, uh, maybe sent back to junior for an overage year. And if, again, this is a massive if, but just think of how we'd be talking about the Kitchener Rangers acquisition of Jacob Ingham in the years ahead in the Ontario Hockey League. We were already talking about it, given Ingham's play as a Ranger, acquired for a second and two-thirds from Mississauga. Imagine if he had come back and what he would have been flipped for. So you acquire him for a second and two-thirds, make a pretty deep playoff run, as it looked like the Rangers had the possibility of doing, and then flip him as an OA to another contender. I, I can't even imagine what the price would have been. Anyway, that's all kind of, you know, in the predictions mirror I guess who knows what would have happened Vakoyevich certainly would have been one of those pieces that Mike McKenzie did not get the opportunity to deal for some assets but when you when you come into this season again with Rakoff being a wild card but look at uh, Philip Messar again I'm going by pronunciation or just guessing at the pronunciation the Rangers first pick ninth overall in the import draft this year they will have to lure him here but if they are successful in so doing, you add Andrew LeBlanc, the first rounder, 17th overall from a year ago that we haven't been able to see yet. Pinelli, of course, who's projected to go mid-second round in, in this year's NHL draft. And if we already talked about you and I off, off air. Patizian, Vlad, Pinelli is a nice top line. Well, if you get Messar in there and LeBlanc turns out, you know, well, he's a first rounder. He's going to, he's going to slot in somewhere pretty high. Messar is projected as a top six forward. Uh, you're looking, you're looking decent up front as the Kitchener Rangers enter this season. I just have to go back. I can't believe you think Mike McKenzie would flip Jacob Ingham again if he, if he was sent back for his overage season. I think if you get a goaltender like that back as an overager and you got defenseman Vukovic, Sabrango, um, I, I think you have to build around that. You you're running again? Going. Yeah. Wow. I think you do. Absolutely. I that would have been a wild conversation. Absolutely. To have you got a goaltender like that in the back end like you would have had? You know, you would have needed some help, I think, up front. But Pinelli's in his second year. Vlad's a year older. 
You got still got Langdon. You got guys that can contribute up front. You got Patizian, who's had a breakout season uh, before we were hit with COVID. I think if Iggy sent back, <laughs> buddy, strap the reins on him and let's see how far this kid can take you. That like, I, w- I wouldn't even think about it, but that's me. And obviously, no, we're, thinking, we're talking right hypotheticals, yeah. but yeah. I just think you get a guy like that who was dominating the league in his 19 year old season, then he gets sent back for his OA. <laughs> no, you hold that and just. Take us for a ride, Iggy. That's what I would do. Um, so we obviously see Sobrango McDonald differently, but I, I look at their AHL experience as where the hell else were they going to play last well, year? Yeah, and I get right? that, right? Yeah, they probably just wanted like the franchises in Tampa and Detroit wanted them to play, so play in the American League. But it's different, right? We, we talked um, – with Mike Stubbs recently, and I'm going out of order here, but Mike Stubbs interview is already done for London. And he talked about um, their goaltender going up to the American league and being there with the team, but not getting into a game until the last game of the season. Rep Roshu. I I said 20 to 30 games. These guys played McDonald and Sobrango. If you're playing that much in actual games, the team obviously trusts you. They could put you on the practice squad, have you around the team, you know, blah, 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 get you in a couple shifts, you know, maybe one or two games. That's fine. Get the experience. We're talking 20 to 30 games they play. It's not just a cup of tea, you know? So I I just think if I'm either one of those franchises, do I want them under my reign in the American league, getting used to the pro style hockey, or do I want them back in the OHL dominating a couple 16 year olds? You know, I think, and it is something to remember that it's not like years past. We're getting two crops of rookies into the league. There's going to be a lot of growing pains for teams. It's going to be some sloppy hockey at the start. And we're going to find out which kids, you know, are ready for the OHL and which aren't. Do you want to, sub- this sounds awful, but do you want to subject your draft picks to that? That could play in the American League? Or do you want to test them in the American League? Yeah, so two things come of that. And I'll, I'll pick up the second one after. But let me, because w- I'm wondering how much consideration you think NHL parent clubs give to major junior hockey in other words how much does tampa and or detroit care if at all about the kitchen arrangers none none eh yeah none zero zilch and and the <laughs> other I'm being honest no that's, that's why i i've, I've none, often nothing. wondered and i think yeah. some some teams and some managers uh, have better relationships or different relationships with pro clubs and and pro clubs might be inclined to, to cut a break to the major junior team, but you're right. They're probably think they, they should be. They're most interested in their own team's yeah. best interest. Right. hundred percent does. And you know, like does Dallas maybe have a little more leniency for the Rangers because of a certain connection there? Maybe, you know, does Columbus and Basil McRae, if he's still there, have a little more leniency to the London Knights? Probably. Yeah. Right. But I don't think when it comes down to, Oh, should we keep our prospect in the American league or do we send them back because we need, Kitchener to have a good because you know Kitchener could have a good team. No, they're not. They're not worried about that. They're worried about who's in the position to develop their prospects. That's it, and that is Mike McKenzie and Kitchener. The other thing about what you just said about how sloppy you think the hockey might be in the early stages of this Ontario Hockey League season, and you're you're probably not wrong. I wonder again, bigger picture, Popper, how you see this one year absence affecting. Like, how long will it take? for us to kind of settle back in for lack of a better phrase to the cycle that we've grown so accustomed to in junior hockey, where we can kind of project, you know, teams have their own boards about when they're going to be 
making that run again, right? That sort of idea, yep. then you load up and you set, start over again and so on and so forth. It's going to be a while, I think, before we can settle back into that groove, if you will, in the Ontario Hockey League. Yeah. I think so. I mean, because right now... I think January. I honestly think after the Christmas break, teams are going to know what players are who, what, you know, like, it goes back to, I can't remember the Chicago Bears coach. They are who we thought they were, right? And they are who we thought they were. So you're going to know who the players are, and you're going to know who the teams are. Yes, but, I mean present day but then how do you go about projecting and and what assets do you have to move to put together a run right i think it's going to take because like you said we're basically going to see two uh, two crops of rookies in the ontario hockey league this year so yes your 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 early round picks from both seasons might pan out fantastically and then yes by january i agree for the 21 22 season we're going to know who or what teams are all about, but then how do you go about putting together that, that little projection, right? Like when we, when we look back to where we left off with the Kitchener Rangers looked like a team that was poised to do something the next year likely would have been okay. Vukovich, we may disagree on Ingham, but if, if he was even back, et cetera, do the re the reload and get ready for the next run a season or two later in, uh, in Reed Vlad's 19 year old year, for example. Right. Yep. So we could predict that by January of 2022, we may well know where every team in the Ontario hockey league is at, but what's 2024 going to look like? Are we going to know then? Are we going to be able to project out? That's what I'm wondering. And maybe it's just because I've been away from the game so long. I can't, I can't see it because I'm not looking at the birth years and the teams in front of me. And I think that's, that's it. Like, you know, we, we both also have, you know, other full-time jobs as many media members do in this league. But I think when, if you're Mike McKenzie by January, you're like, your focus is on that projecting which teams are going to be good next year, which teams are going to be good in two years. You're looking at the 04s and the 05s projecting, okay, this player, you know, we looked at him as a top six forward, but obviously he's not going to be able to be that player. He's not showing us he's going to be able to be that player. Now he's a bottom six guy. And he's going to have all that with every team in the league. So I think come January, or maybe it'll take a full season, I don't know. But I think come January, you're going to get an idea as to which teams are trajectoring or which teams are on the right trajectory, which players are on the right trajectory. And which teams are probably in, you know, looking at it going, wow, we, we really need to rebuild. This is going to be a couple of years, you know, and we're going to see that. But I think every team, it's a guessing game, right? Because everyone's going to be going through the exact same thing. There's, you're going to be making phone calls to other GMs and other head coaches and presidents and whoever trying to figure out what, what's your team going through right now? Like, how are you dealing with this? What's your, you know, how, how comfortable are you with your 05 crop? Stuff like that. It's going to, it's very weird. And it's something that no one has went through before. And, and to that point, I think it's going to make it pretty exciting because we're mm-hmm. going to have as unpredictable a season as ever we've had, I think, in the Ontario Hockey League. But we're also going to be learning an awful lot about whose scouting staffs did the best work. Yeah, I'm watching the 05, 05 group heavy because I want to see they basically drafted a whole age group in that 05 without getting them without seeing them play their draft year. So how many scouts were keeping an eye on those under underage kids in 2020? Yeah, sorry, 2020 ahead of the 2021 draft, right? So it's, and this is, I feel like for our listeners, if I'm scatterbrains trying to figure out the years, bear with me here because there's two rookies coming through. Yeah. Crafts, I'm going, what year did we miss? What year? What? It's all just a mess. Um, but I, yeah, I think we're really going to get a good idea as to which scouting staffs, um, 
relied heavily on their scouts and which GMs, you know, were plugged in and how much trust the GMs really have in their scouts and how good of a job those OHL scouts do. It, the, the other thing is that these, this year's draft class, the one that, that, you know, where the Rangers picked up Carson Rakoff is coming from largely a group of players that barely were on the ice, if mm-hmm. at all, at least not here in Ontario, right? You might've found kids in other places that were playing more meaningful games, but uh, hockey for, for all intents and purposes in Ontario has been dead minor hockey for going on 18 months. Yeah. That's why I think it's going to be, you know, the first couple, first couple weeks of any OHL season are kind of growing pains, you know, getting things, you know, getting the legs back up to game shape, trying to find the chemistry within teams, the rookies trying to get acquainted in the league, that type of thing. And I think it's just going to be stretched out a little longer this year because of the two rookie crops coming in because of the heavy layoff many of these players had. But I think we're really going to see a gap between those players. Like I feel bad. I really do for these, like, Oh, like picture yourself being an Oh five second or third rounder. Okay. You're drafted to the Guelph storm. You're going to come in, start on the third, fourth line. You ice the puck in the defensive zone and the Rangers throw at a guy like Francesco Pinelli, who's played overseas this year, was at the U18s, has been on the ice like crazy, and now you got to try to defend against him. You know, and he's also got Patizian on his right and Vlad on his left. Like that type of scenario, I'm sure won't happen that often, but I'm, if, it's going to be tough for those rookies because we're going to see the gap of the players that were on the ice playing overseas, playing in the American League that were sent back to the OHL you know, that had that experience. And I think there's going to be a huge gap for the first little while. I think he just teased the uh, Rangers top line, Vlad, Patizzi, yeah, and Pinelli. And then <laughs> just take, just take Messar, forgive me, young fella, if I'm getting the name wrong, LeBlanc and McDonald on a second line and, and look out, but there's that wild card again. That, it, wow. Okay. It's good. Listen, if nothing else, it'll make our fall podcasts really interesting because you and I are going to be in the midst of this, uh, the midst of this frenzy, just like everybody else. And we'll be trying to sort it out. Hey, real, real quick, before we get to our guests yeah. we, on this podcast, I think we've talked about how you and I like to make friendly wagers, if you will. Oh, I'm in. Right? Let's go. Yeah. What yeah? are we going for? Are you sure? Okay. You want to do, you want to do a case on uh, Sobrango and McDonald? So they're, they're a package deal. Well, no, I say one, you know, a case on each. If, if, yeah, if they're both back, then you end up with 48. And if neither of them are back, I end up with 48. Listen, uh, I love me a good wager. So, yes, but is this really fair? Because don't you get product that you have to give away given your full time job with Molson? I mean, I have to, but really. Kind of, but (laughs) fair, but dealer's choice. I'll, I'll I'll put it up to you. As I, I won't buy you a blue bottle, but I'll buy you your, your nice green one that you like. <laughs> I will even accept as long as you're, you, you just got to pay full freight is all I'm yeah, saying. That's, that's fine. I'll, okay. Yeah. All right. A case, a case on each could be a wash okay. or I could be sitting pretty with 48. Listen, if McDonald or Sobrango's family is listening or if they're listening, I hope you're not back. Okay. And that's why I'm betting on it. It's Farwell that thinks you're back. So just let that be known. Yeah, that's my homerism coming out again. You're right. You're absolutely right about that. Well, I, I hope for both, obviously. You know, obviously. Yeah, yeah f- from a selfish standpoint. Exactly. Uh, I mentioned those podcasts in the fall and how uh, much fun they're going to be for us sorting out all of this. These podcasts in the summer are designed to just kind of bring you up to speed on on your favorite team in the Ontario Hockey League, and then we try as best we can to connect our 
retro interview. This is an interview that Oprah and I had done previously in our time covering the league, uh, but we try to connect it with the team. We're able to do that this week. Again, we've been able to do it on all teams so far. It may not always work this way, but we've got a bunch of uh, interviews that we think are worth listening to again, if you missed them the first time around that kind of idea. So stick with us for that as we continue the alphabet tour through the summer and then get back to regular stuff in the fall. And remember anytime, Give us a like, give us a review, send us an email, farwellandpope at gmail.com and let us know who you might want to hear from, what you think of what we're doing, good, bad, or otherwise. We're always happy to hear from you uh, on Twitter at underscore Chris Pope or at farwell underscore OHL. And with that out of the way uh, to our featured guest this week. Really quick, we try to be transparent on this podcast as much as we can, and our broadcast for that matter. This is our second time recording the Kitchen Rangers <laughs> You podcast. didn't have to say that. You didn't I know, but to. I did because I okay. want some clarification because I had to do some digging. The import draft, to me, is so intriguing across the CHL. There's so many different rules and regulations and everything, and there's lots of talk about the import draft, just about how up and up it really is. Which it's uh, not at all. It's not, yeah, exactly. Right. So um, the Rangers used... To, both their import picks. So to me, that says, okay, well then, obviously like Vileo Tavainen isn't coming back. Pavel Chan, who they drafted in 2020, he's now choosing to either play pro or play somewhere in Czech Republic because you can't have three imports on the team. Obviously the Rangers said that their second uh, import pick was not expected to report this year. So I found some clarification. Yeah, so there is a way for teams to essentially have three players protected, if you will. It depends on uh, certain rules and and certain dates um, and who's actually signed to a card and who is just a draft pick at the time. So I think that's where we're going to see both Pavel Chan and the Rangers first round import signed to a card. The third is just drafted, but it's something to do with the time and the time of year or the date birth or something. It's I'm going to need to do some more reading, but there is a way that that's, that's what I wanted to get out of the way. So people see the Rangers used to import picks. That's why Pavel Chan will be in goal for the Rangers. Hopefully if you are Mike McKenzie and co, Um, but that's the reason why. And then it's, it's very possible because the Swede who the Rangers uh, picked with their second import selection this year is likely to go in the NHL draft this summer. And so maybe that's a bridge the Rangers will have to cross in a year's time. Should he be ready to come to the Ontario hockey league? Callie Odelius. That's the guy, which is just a fantastic name. All I could remember was Callie. I apologize. Callie Odelius. Odelius. Yeah. Odelius. What a name. Um, okay. Speaking of names, um, I don't don't even, do we need to even do a preamble or does his name just say enough? I think it says a ton. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think he was the the first guy that had the hardest shot in the national hockey league, right? Well, with all due respect to ally Afraidy, maybe he had a pretty hard shot, I think, but the hardest shot. Yeah. I don't think, I I don't think they hold a candle. No. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. That was your heyday. I was six. true. Um, <laughs> one of the top 100 players to ever play the game, a Stanley Cup champion. Um, he's done it he, a multiple times, Stanley Cup champion, and really, to be honest, hockey royalty in across Canada, but specifically in Calgary and in St. Louis in the United States. Ladies and gentlemen, Al McInnes. Thank you so much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. It's always nice coming back, and it's always nice to uh, watch some junior hockey in this uh, historic building. What's it like walking back in here? 
brings back some of my fondest uh, hockey memories. Uh, you know, uh, we were very lucky to uh, have such a, a great run here back in the early 80s. Uh, we had uh, some great players and uh, some great coaches. And, you know, to come into junior hockey my first year, we ended up losing in the Memorial Cup final to Cornwall and uh, followed that up with the next year uh, with winning the Memorial Cup against Sherbrooke. Uh, you know, uh, you couldn't ask for anything better. And uh, great exposure, great teams, and uh, made a lot of friendships along the way. I can't say off the top of my head, Al, but I know Doug Gilmore did play with Cornwall. Was he on that team that you lost to? And then you ended up as a teammate with him in Calgary, Stanley Cup champions. Yes, uh, you're exactly right. Uh, Cornwall had a, an excellent team that year. Uh, they actually en- ended up winning. They went on a run. They, uh, they won three Memorial Cups uh, in that run, and uh, they had an excellent team, and Dougie and I became teammates uh, back in uh, the late 80s, and, um, you know, obviously everybody in Ontario, you know, got to see him play <laughs> for the Leafs, but uh, what a great teammate, great leader, and uh, one of the finest two-way players to ever play the position of center. What did it mean to you to see your son follow in your footsteps here with the Rangers? Well, uh, I know one thing. Uh, there was nobody more nervous in the building uh, anytime I came in here uh, watching him play, but uh, you know, I knew the experience that I had here with the with the the organization and the the city of Kitchener and the fans and uh, and I know he was going to go through the same thing coming here. Uh, it was a you know a dream of his to play for the Rangers uh, for a, for a long time, and uh, he was able to do that, and uh, he enjoyed uh, his three years here uh, immensely. Even before you got here, Al, your your journey. I mean, you're a Nova Scotia boy. There was a cup of coffee in Saskatchewan before you ended up here in the Ontario League, and you're 17 years old. That's a lot of travel and a long way from home for a young man. It was. Uh, you know, if I can get it into a quick story, uh, my midget team uh, in Nova Scotia represented um, uh, Nova Scotia in the Air Canada Cup in Winnipeg, Manitoba. I got scouted by the Regina Pats that year. And uh, so I went out and played a year of Tier 2 with the Regina Pat Blues. And uh, Mike Penny, uh, the Rangers man, uh, general manager at the time, you know, the cagey guy knew that there were some uh, maritime players out there. I w- he came out and he scouted myself in Regina, and he scouted Mike Eagles in Melville. And Mike oh, wow. Eagles was playing out there the same year. So he kind of had, I think, a couple of uh, aces in his back pocket. Not to, <laughs> but uh, he ended up drafting us. Uh, obviously, it just made sense to get back to the Ontario League, closer to home, and uh, from there, the, the rest is history. You mentioned Port Hood. You had the Stanley Cup there. What was that like t- this year? It was amazing. Uh, you know, to be able to bring the Stanley Cup to my hometown, it's only, you know, seven, 800 people. Uh, I had it down there. We have a festival every year called Chestico Days. Uh, we had it in the parade down there. We had over 5,000 people to join us that weekend. Uh, I brought it to uh, the Cabot Cliffs uh, golf course down there. Uh, brought it to a couple of pubs, obviously. some. Uh, we got some... Uh, Celtic entertainment around the Stanley Cup and uh, and got to spend some time with it with the family and, and some friends and you know to be able to uh, you know share the uh, Stanley Cup with some uh, you know diehard you know hockey fans from that part of the country it was uh, you know I won it 30 years ago I didn't get a chance to bring it down there back in 89 and I knew if I ever had a chance to uh, win it again as uh, an executive or, or, or a part of a team I was going to bring it back to Port Hood and it was a special week. We had a chance to chat ever so briefly before the game, Al, about the magical run it really was for the St. Louis Blues last season. Down and out, last place to Stanley Cup champions. Was there a point along the way 
that as an executive team you, you felt something, you saw something, or how do you describe that? Well, you know, it's pretty hard to describe exactly what happened. Uh, we started to turn the corner. Uh, it was a Western Canadian uh, road swing to Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver. We felt our team was really coming together. And from there, it uh, really took off, and uh, everything just seemed to fall into place. Uh, Jordan Bennington got the net one night in early January in Philadelphia, and he had a shutout, his first start, and uh, didn't give up the net after that. Uh, you know, Craig Bruby came in, uh, uh, you know, uh, we had to make a coaching change and came in and uh, got everybody's attention, uh, got everybody to jump on board. And, uh, you know, everybody, everything fell into place, and the guys started to play for one another, and uh, they got on a roll, and next thing you know, it was uh, the Stanley Cup champs. Just like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was a great photo that St. Louis tweeted of you hoisting the cup. Between the times that you did did it in Calgary and in St. Louis, what was it like picking that up the second time? Well, first of all, uh, 30 years later, it's much heavier. Yeah, I will say heavier. that with a couple of bad shoulders. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when you win it as a player, uh, you know, you're so wrapped up in the, in the in the players that you're playing with and the coaching staff. It's kind of a little bit of a smaller group, I should yeah. say. Uh, being in St. Louis for 25 years and basically calling it home, my children uh, have been raised in the city. I got to know, obviously, a, a, a lot of people there. I understand the, 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 the loyalty that fans have over the past 52 years. And when we won it in Boston, all I could think of is what it meant to the city, what it meant to the fans, and they've waited so long uh, for for the Blues to hoist that cup, and uh, it was a magical moment. And if you've seen any of the the video or pictures of the the Stanley Cup parade in St. Louis, I think our players took it above and beyond what most parades uh, yeah. do, and in the interaction uh, and the relationship with the head. And I think they set a new standard for that. Ryan O'Reilly was walking the parade route, signing stuff, interacting with the fans. I was like. He's just from down the road in uh, Clinton. It was great to see. It was unreal, and it was funny because a lot of the alumni and the management, we got to the uh, down to the arch uh, uh, after our part of the parade was over, and, you know, an hour goes by, none of the players are showing up, and then it was two hours, and we're wondering, <laughs> did they get lost? Did they take a different route or what? But, uh, you know, when you go back and you watch the video and how the players engage with the fans, like you mentioned, Ryan O'Reilly is signing autographs. Somebody else is holding up babies. Yeah. Jordan Bennington's <laughs> riding a scooter yeah. down Market Street. You know, like you can't, you you, you, you never thought of these things. Yeah. And and like I said, you know, most parades in any sport, you stay on the float, you wave and whatever. And our players, uh, just like I said, brought it to a whole nother level. We'll never have enough time with you, Al, but I want to go back, if we can, to the era when you played in the National Hockey League with the Calgary Flames and the Battle of Alberta, I think, was essentially born. And, I mean, I could spend the rest of this time listing off all of the players. You were part of that. When you look back, like, what does that mean to you? Well, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was um, you know, an amazing experience, uh, you know, because um, really you know Edmonton made as a better team you know like they were the benchmark they had the maybe the five six best players in the league at the time with Mark Messier, Glenn Anders and Paul Coffey, Grand Fear, obviously Wayne Gretzky and we had no choice at the time but to get better and uh, we were one of the first teams that touched on you know college free agents with Colin Patters and Jamie McCowan, Joel Otto, yeah. all these guys and we you know we became a, a, a close-knit group we became a better team every year 
and uh, there was a lot of hatred. Uh, it was some of the, the greatest hockey you can watch, and even going back, watching them, you know, those old playoff games and those old rivalries, it was, it was intense, uh, it was physical. Uh, you had, you know, Mike Vernon and Grant Fuhrer battling it out, two of the top goaltenders back then. And, uh, you know, looking back, it was a lot of fun, but uh, it, was, it, was, it was tough. It was uh, one of the, you know, greatest rivalries that uh, hockey has seen. Al, we talked a bit about the accolades off the top. Hall of Famer, one of the uh, top 100 players to ever play the game, the Cups, the Memorial Cup. What is the one moment in your hockey career that stands out to you what is there a, a recognition that stands out or what is well it, it would have to be the stanley cup in 89 you know as a player um you know we dream of this stuff growing up playing street hockey and scoring the game winning goal in game seven to, to, to hoist the stanley cup and you know, uh, being the hockey fan I am and, and uh, can't get enough of it, I'm in here watching junior <laughs> hockey on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, you see it, you know, the Stanley Cup being hoisted every year, and it's the, it, it's the hardest trophy to win. And uh, I'll never forget the feeling that came over me in Montreal when Doug Gilmore scored in the empty net yeah. to clinch that Stanley Cup victory. Uh, it, was a, it was a relief. It was exhausting. But uh, that was certainly the, uh, the, the the greatest moment of my hockey career. Real quick, real quick. Uh, you had a 100-mile-an-hour slap shot with the old wooden stick. What would you You broke Mike Leute's mask with a shot, Al. <laughs> what could you eat 120 with these sticks today? Well, you know, uh, it, it, it might be up there, you know, a little bit faster or a little bit uh, more velocity than what I used to shoot it with. But I will say one thing. The players that are playing today, they're so much bigger. Yeah. They're so much stronger. And you look at the guys that get... You know, Chera, like he's got probably six inches and 40 pounds on me, you know. But, um, you know, the, the, they all can shoot it today. Uh, those sticks obviously improve the shot. Just ask the goaltenders. But, uh, you know, back in my day, I just, I, the, the composite sticks just started coming out. But I just, you know, felt the puck better on my, my wooden stick. And uh, it was just uh, hard to, you know, teach an old dog new tricks and <laughs> i kept it it worked for me and i didn't want to change it certainly did work al McInnes, thank you so much for taking the time my pleasure guys thanks for having me on hi i'm emily roger and i host a leadership show called the boiling point with my co-host dave vale Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.